you today, and we give you honor and glory. You are truly El Elyon, the God most high. You're higher than any other God. You're greater than any other God. All false gods, all false idols. And so we lift you up, and we want to honor your great name. That's our heart's desire, and you've gathered us together as a church to do just that, to lift high the name of Jesus in worship. And Jesus, we want to follow you, and we want to be more like you. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do the continuous work of sanctification in all of our lives. Through the music, through the worship, through the word of God, as we pray for one another, as we love and encourage one another. Can you just sense the presence of the Lord doing an amazing work, maybe of healing in our lives, right? If you're sensing that God's spirit is doing something, maybe a healing work in your life, just raise your hand nice and high, nice and high. Hallelujah. Yes, God. You are Jehovah Rophi, the God who heals. And we're praying against all fear of man that brings a snare. God, fear doesn't have a place in this church. We want to walk by faith. We want to trust you no matter the season. If it's in the valley or if it's on the mountaintop, we're going to trust you in both places. We're going to worship you in both places. We thank you, Lord, that you're healing emotions right now. We're thank you, thanking you, Lord, that you're healing some bodies and some, maybe some minds that have been racing and full of anxiety and stress. We thank you, Lord, that you're bringing peace that passes understanding even right now. God, we pray that you would draw someone to salvation today, that they would repent of their sins and believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to get to heaven. Would you keep us humble as a church? Would you keep us dependent? Help us to be desperate for you. Help us to want to lift you up, love you, follow you, live for your glory. We pray, God, now in Revelations chapter 21 and 22, we're going to hear from you. Your word says about itself that it will not return without accomplishing its purposes. And so we're believing that once it's preached and it's listened to by the Spirit of God and it's applied, something great is going to happen in all of our lives. Do you love the Lord today? Do you just love him? Just say it to him. God, I love you. I love you, Jesus. I love you. I love you. What was that last course we did? Scott, can you lead us back into that last one, would you? Hallelujah. Yes. Lift it up. Hallelujah. Yes, God. Come on, isn't that better than the World Series? Isn't that better than the Super Bowl? Come on. Let's give the Lord a hand. Yes, Lord. You may be seated. Take your Bibles and go to Revelations chapter 21. Is anybody in the house a big Revelations fan? Raise your hand. Revelation, the book of Revelation. Let's go to chapter 21. I want to finish a series that we had started some time ago, maybe four weeks ago, called Thirst Quenchers. And this will be the last of, of this I, I believe important series, and so to quench means to satisfy, to satisfy. 
How many people like their fruits and vegetables? Raise your hand. You're a fruit, you're a fruit guy, fruit lady, fruit girl, right? How about vegetables? Yeah, you always had a hard time? Wow, a lot of hands on the veggies, huh? All right, I got a few of them up here. Just want to illustrate. How about lemons? Man, lemons are like one of the most perfect food groups, right? And so uh, a lemon is, is huge as far as staying healthy. What does that saying go? It goes, when life gives you a lemon, what do you do? No, you don't. You throw it at somebody. Get ready. Come on. <laughs> Who thinks they can catch this if I were to wind up? Now, I pitched at the Little League World Series in my hometown when I was just a kid. And so who thinks they can catch this? How about in the back row? You ready? You ready, Ray? <laughs> this could seriously be a weapon right now. I'm not going to do that. I love you guys too much. How about over here? We have any guacamole fans? Avocado. Avocado. I, I do want to give this a lemon. Anybody want the lemon in the front row? I'll give it away. Who wants the lemon? I'll give it away. Raise your hand. There we go. Woo. Avocado guac fans. Come on. Guac. I love guac. How about over here? Ben gets the guac. You can pass it down if you're a gentleman. How about, I got another one. How about lettuce? You need a little lettuce on your sandwich, right? Now, I will throw this one, so, because this won't hurt too bad. Who's that back there? I can't tell who you are. I'll do that. You ready? Who's behind you, Dave? They're visitors, right? We don't want to send them away. I got a couple of visitors over there. I don't want to hit them in the head with a, a thing of lettuce. How about somebody up close? Lettuce. Who needs lettuce for a sandwich? Anybody? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. You might want to pass it down. There you go. Very gentlemen. I got another one here. Broccoli. Isn't this like the worst smell in the world, right? You put it in the refrigerator and it's like, good God, it's like crazy. And so who likes broccoli? It's really actually good for you. Or isn't it, Paul? Here you go, Paul. Awesome. Actually, I don't know if you guys know this. Those are all thirst quenchers. Those, those will all quench your thirst, believe it or not. I have one more thirst quencher. You're going to say, you're a liar. I know you're a liar. This is a cheeseburger. <laughs> believe it or not, a cheeseburger or a hamburger, certain percentages of, of, the, uh, of the water in there can actually quench your thirst. And so I just got this cheeseburger. Last night it's still fresh. Who wants a cheeseburger? <laughs> He had the, uh, the yogurt last week, so you're, just, you're, you're hooking it up, man. I want you to see some verses of Scripture. Would you take your eyes to the screen behind me? I want to read these to you. This is taken out of the book of Psalms. This is what David said. He said, hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my pleas for mercy. Anybody in that house right there, in that place, in your life? In your faithfulness, answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. Let's keep scrolling through here. Verse 3, for the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Somebody in the house right now, is, has, you know what that's like. As David was writing these, therefore my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old. God, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you. Here it is. Like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord. What's it say next? My spirit fails. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's, that's you as a person. You feel like you're failing. You're falling apart. Hide not your face from me. 
lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. Anybody there today? We need God to satisfy our soul. We don't need to turn to forbidden fountains. We don't need to turn to the things that the world might offer. Some of those things that maybe you were used to using before you were a Christian, but since becoming a Christian, maybe you've tripped and fallen in some of those things and you're trying to satisfy your soul with that. I think it's a good place to be like David in these verses. You might feel the enemies against you and you might feel that, you know, your soul is seriously in trouble and it's like a dry land. But God wants to satisfy, amen? He wants to satisfy and quench our thirsts. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Let me just do a quick reminder with you. Number one, this was about a month ago, the first thirst quencher was remember the Lord your God. Listen, God led you. You're saying, I didn't know if he was around. I didn't think he liked me anymore. I felt that way before. I felt like God wasn't in my world and when I was going through the valley of the shadow of death and the dark night of the soul. I get all of that. But God was leading me. And God was leading you. And he was feeding you. Amen? He is that. That is who he is towards you. He's a God who leads and feeds. Remember the Lord your God. If we keep remembering, God, I remember you. I remember you. This is what you need to do. I remember you. I remember that you were back here. I remember that you're here. I know that you're going to be with me in the future. When you start doing that, your soul is getting quenched. Remember the Lord your God. That's number one. Number two, do you remember what it was? You got to believe something. You got to believe that God's going to rescue you. That was number two. You got to believe that God's going to come to your rescue. God, I'm, I'm in trouble like David was. I'm in trouble. I need you to come. I need you to come. You need to come, God, because I don't know if I can hold on any longer. God, I need you to show up. I need you to show up now. Believe God to rescue you. Thirst quencher number two. How about thirst quencher number three? Do you remember what that was? Are these behind me at all? I thought you guys were cheating. Ask. Ask for a drink, right? Last Sunday, it's simple. You have not because you what? You ask not. Will you ask me, he says. And will I not show you? The title of today's message, Enjoying God for Eternity. Thirst quencher number four and finally. Enjoying God for Eternity. Let me ask you a question. How many people enjoy enjoying? <laughs> you enjoy enjoying, right? Let me give you some of the top 30 enjoyments and senses of satisfaction that people can experience. Are you ready? Focus up here. Look up here. Here's the, some of the top 30. I'm not going to give you all of them. Sleeping in on a rainy day. Oh, yeah. Finding money you didn't know you had. <laughs> You know, you're in the wallet, right? You're in the wallet, and little Benjamin's hiding out in there. Benji, what are you doing? I didn't know you were in there. Seriously, that's one of the top 30 of the most satisfying, most enjoyable experiences that you can have. Here's another one. 
receiving a real letter or package. Amen? All the technology and, hey, I got a real package today. You can actually hold it and take it out of the post office. It's... Here's one. Making a yellow light. Now, I don't know if that means something to you, but that means something to me. Right? So I'm driving, I'm driving, I'm seeing it. Oh, man. And you got to make a decision, right? You're in that halfway point, you know, and, and it turns yellow, and you got to make a quick decision, you know, and you make it through there, and you're like, yes. And you look at the guy in the rearview mirror, and you're like, yeah. You know? <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> I got a competitive spirit about me, I'm telling you. You might be behind me one of those days. How about this one? You see a friend of yours stumble over himself. That made the list. Oh, come on, you self-righteous people. You liars. You see a friend of yours trip over himself or herself, and you're laughing inside. You're enjoying that moment. Got to tell you a quick story. Back at Liberty University, a friend of mine, Tim Saint, who you're going to meet. Some of you know the Saint family from Elverson. And so he was my roommate, and so I had just met him. I mean, this was like freshman year, and we shared a room with two other guys. So there's four guys in the room. We used to climb through the window of our first floor dormitory uh, room. And so we would keep the window open. So if we didn't have keys, we would just go through the window. And so one day I had this idea. I had my book bag. And I said, you know what? I'm going to put it right here in the middle of the floor so that when Tim comes in, he's going to hit the book bag and he's going to trip. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I did that. I put the book bag there. Next thing you know, it, Tim comes flying through there and he trips on it and he busts his ankle. I couldn't believe it. I laughed and I laughed and I laughed. I didn't do that. I felt super bad. But believe it or not, that made the 30 list. Wow. Here's another one. Hearing the right song at the right moment. Doesn't that bring satisfaction? Think about that. How about saying the same thing simultaneously? Here's one. It's just maybe for me and some other guys, maybe some of you ladies. You're a pull-through parking spot. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How about realizing you have more time to sleep? Oh, yeah, 5 o'clock in the morning. You're thinking it's time to get up. No, I got two more hours. I think I just got born again again. People watching. Anybody a people watcher here? What's up with this section over here, huh? Wow. One more. How about fresh, clean bed sheets? Yes, Lord, thank you, God. Nothing like that in the world. I want to continue with this, Revelations chapter 21, about enjoying God. Now, when we say enjoying God, it's really kind of odd, right? You think of believing God, following God, worshiping God, you know, loving God, listening to God, but you never really think of enjoying God, right? How many people, honestly, have never even considered that too much about, in, I'm supposed to enjoy God? Raise your hand. That has not been really part of your journey. Raise your hand nice and high. I mean, I was like that, right? It's like, enjoy God? That sounds kind of selfish. I want to talk to you about that out of Revelations chapter 21 because it is, it is a thirst quencher. I want to talk to you about enjoying God for all eternity. I'm going to give you three points. You'll see them in the outline. They'll be behind me on the screen. Number one, we enjoy God for eternity when we are seeing what we have experienced so far can't be compared to what is coming. Oh, this is going to touch somebody today. This is going to be important for where you're at. I'm in verse 1 of chapter 21. Down to verse 5. Listen to what John says. He's the writer. He's the apostle John. He's in the spirit on the Lord's day. This is chapter 1, verse 1. And he gets this revelation, which is being revealed from God to him on the island of Patmos. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, 
and the sea was no more. doesn't mean there's not water. It mean, it's, it's a judgment thing. That's, I don't want to go too far into that, but there's going to be water on the new heaven and new earth. So it's not saying there's not going to be oceans, and it's a little bit further than I want to explain, but we'll get into that maybe some other time. Verse 2, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear. Here we go, here we go. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Do I hear an amen on that? Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have what? They've passed away. This is an important first point. Seeing what we have experienced so far cannot be compared to what is coming. You've got to remember, John's on the island of Patmos for the gospel. The island of Patmos is much like Alcatraz. Anybody ever been to Alcatraz? I mean, not like an inmate kind of thing. You ever visited like a tourist? We were there several years ago. It's like this rock in the middle of San Francisco Bay. It's kind of like the movie Papillon with Steve McQueen, if you've ever seen that movie. That's the context. Patmos is this rock, and people were sent there as criminals. And so John is preaching the gospel, living for Christ. He gets sent to Patmos. He's in a tough spot. He's in a difficult place in his life, and he gets a vision. And here's what I want to tell you. If you're in the dark night of the soul or the valley of the shadow of death, and you're going to get some revelation from God like you're never going to get in every other, any other place in your life, you think you're going to get the revelation on top of the mountain? It's not going to happen up there. You're going to get the revelation when you're in the valley, when you're being attacked, when there's some affliction going on, when there's some difficulty going on, when there's some trials going on. You're going to get the revelation at that point. That's what John's getting. It's called the book of Revelation. He's on Patmos, and he's struggling. He's a human, but he knows how to quench his thirst with God. He knows how to do that. Do you know how to do it as well as the Apostle John? Do you want to know how well he did it? This is one of the reasons he saw. He said, God, I see this back in my past. I see where I'm at now in Patmos, but oh, boy, do I see now way out into the future, the new heavens and the new earth. And if you want to get to that place where you're quenching your thirst, wherever your trial is, wherever your difficulty is, then this is what you need to do. This is what I did. I put it to the test. I'm going to challenge you to put it to the test. When I was going through a dark time, lights were turned off. I didn't know who hit the switch. I'm like, what in the world? I mean, my life is black. Well, I can't see another step in front of me. What did I do? This right here, I'm telling you, will work. It'll work. When you start to realize, you know what, God, I know. I know that this place back here is hard. It's difficult. It was painful. I know this place right here is po it's just incredible. I don't know if I can endure this, but God, give me a vision. Give me a vision of what's coming. And that'll sustain you. That'll carry you. That'll quench your thirst. Some of you are discouraged today. Some of you are feeling hopeless. Some of you are feeling hope deferred or, or despairing. This will help you. You got to get a vision. See things like God sees things. Ask him to open it up. Look at verse 1. Then I saw. He said, then I saw. We'll start here. This is supernatural for the Apostle John. He's getting a picture of things to come. It's called a new heaven and a new earth. How many people like new, right? <laughs> really? I mean, I just love new. I don't think most people go on to a lot to buy a car, right? And they're looking at the 1978, you know, Ford Grand Torino with the fake wood siding, you know, 450,000 miles, and it's held together with duct tape and Bondo. I don't think you're going that direction, right? You're going on the lot, and you're looking, wow, look at that, late model, brand new. If you've ever bought a brand new car, there's something like new 
John's seeing something here. It's a new heaven and a new earth. And by the way, ladies, come on. You've got to be honest with me here. If your husband went to a pawn shop to get your wedding ring, <laughs> you can come up here and preach it. It's like, right, pawn shop. Now, you don't want a used ring, ladies, right? You want a what? A new ring. Now, if it's your grandmother's, great-grandmother's, and they fab it, you know, and that, that's, that, I mean, that's cool, you know, but no pawn shop. <laughs> some of the people in our church are planning on getting married. Lisa and I are doing some of that marriage counseling. Let me just throw this out there before we even meet next time around. No pawn shop for the, the wedding ring. Brand new. Brand new. Well, here's brand new heavens and a new earth. Theologians don't really know exactly what this means. They, it could be a refurbished kind of earth. It could be something of that nature. It could be brand spanking new. Theologians, great theologians, haven't really come to finality on that particular thing. I don't think we need to get hung up on that. John sees a holy city in verse 2. It's the new Jerusalem. Can you imagine Reading being brand new? Wow. I mean, seriously, it's like, wow. Can you imagine the city of Reading, which is such a, such a, uh, a tough place? It's a tough place, and people are really struggling in Reading, and that's why we're here, amen? That's why Harvest is here. You want to know one of the reasons why we're here? To bring hope to Reading, to bring some change. Can you imagine a brand new Reading? This is a brand new city. It's called the New Jerusalem. It's coming down out of heaven. John sees it in the vision. I love this. There's no tears. There's no death, mourning, crying, pain. And they aren't found here. That's in verse 4. We've already read it. God speaks, behold, I'm making all things new. And so here's the first thirst quencher. John's realizing it. This is where you've got to see your life. You've got to see something new, that God is going to do a new thing. We all have those anticipations, those joys, those, what's the word I'm looking for? You're looking forward to something, right? A vacation. Anybody going on vacation this summer? Anybody have their vacation planned already? You know where you're going? You anticipate that, right? You anticipate that. Do you know what I anticipate someday? I anticipate someday seeing Jesus face to face. Like, man. This, is, this isn't like the Jesus picture. Everybody pretty much knows the Jesus picture. You ever seen that? If you're raised Catholic, you know what I'm talking about. It's the Jesus picture. And, it, and it's like, whoa, is that Jesus? Not really, he didn't look like that. But when I see him, and when you see him, if you know him, it's going to be incredible. There's anticipation. There's anticipation for all of that. And John's in that place here. How about when your grandchild is born? Is there anticipation that little baby's coming, right? We need to quench our thirst with this seeing things differently. I think some of you are tripping and falling because your vision is blurred. Something has blurred your vision. It's like driving your car and your windshield isn't cleaned off. I remember driving in a winter storm and all of a sudden the ice just accumulated on my windshield instantaneously. I was in the passing lane and there were trucks all around me. I couldn't see in front of my car. I'm talking about panic. I had to get my way over and get off the exit. Some of you, something has blocked the vision of your life, and, and I'm not sure what that is specifically, but that has to be cleared out of the way. And when you can see, then you're going to be able to drive and navigate your life. Or maybe it's your glasses. You ever seen people's glasses and they're not really cleaned off? These aren't too bad, but it just drives me nuts when they're not cleaned off, right? And so I get my little thing out here, and I'm like, I've got to make sure I, can, I can't see you right now. You're all blurry. Right? Some people are walking through life like that, and you're tripping and you're falling. 
You have to see something new. Something new is coming for you. And that's going to help you to be able to quench that. Let's go to number two. So number one is seeing. Number two is knowing. Knowing that God has already conquered his enemies and gives us assurance of victory as a result. This is in verse five. Verse five in the second half of it, we call that verse five B. But we'll look at it. Verse five. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, what? What's it say? It is done. What's that mean? We're going to find out. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, and for the murderers and sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. You got to know something today, and this is where he's going with this. You got to write it down. You got to write it down, John, because you need to realize that it is done. What's he talking about? He's talking about all of his enemies. He's talking about all of his enemies are dealt with, and he's talking about those who reject Jesus Christ are also dealt with. It's done. He says, write this down. Can you imagine being the Apostle John and God says, write this down? I mean, I was terrified when my fifth grade teacher said, all right, get a piece of paper and a pen and write this down. Did anybody get terrified when that happened? What were you going to think was going to go on? It's like, oh, I don't know. I can remember being in the training center and James McDonald would come in. He's a big guy. He's, a, he's just a big guy. He comes walking in, as only James McDonald can do. He sits down. We're going to talk about preaching. Get out a pen and a paper and write this down. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, okay. You got a piece of paper, you got a pen. I couldn't imagine if God said that. John, I want you to write this down. He starts to write. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's accomplished salvation this is done. The enemy is, is defeated. We are conquerors because he first conquered. Did you know that? That you're a conqueror? I think it's important for us to understand that. God is sovereign. He's the one ruling. There is no rival with God. The devil and his demons have been defeated. This is what's going on here. This is powerful. This is amazing. Knowing that you are on the winning side makes all of the difference. Verse 8 goes, but as for, and there's some lists there of characteristics of somebody who's a rejecter of Jesus Christ. And are you a rejecter of Jesus? You were dragged in here by your wife. You were dragged in here by your husband, but Jesus isn't your Lord and Savior. Whose team are you on? I promise you it makes a difference trying to quench your thirst if you realize that you are more than a conqueror, that Jesus Christ is in you. Let me give you a for instance. Suppose there's two teams. One team is a winning team, right? One team is just, they're on it, and, and they're doing well. The other team is like in last place, and you have a choice. Do you want to be on the first place team, or do you want to be on the last place team? Which team do you choose to be on? Think of, what would you do? Last place, Anybody? Here, here's, here it is right here. This is what God is saying to you, that if you are a rejecter of Jesus Christ, you'll be separated from him for all eternity. Some of you, it doesn't matter if you're in a Christian school. Some of you think, man, I go to the King's Academy. I go to High Point. I'm good. 
No, you're not. No, you're not. You might just be as unsaved as the rest of them. Just because you're in a building that calls himself King's Academy or High Point or whatever, or just because you're in a church called Harvest, although we're in a Fox Theater, but you get the idea, right? It doesn't mean you're a Christian. And so my plea to you is if you're not a Christian, repent. Jesus wants you. He wants your soul. He's trying to get your soul. And you know that you need to turn to him and give your life to him, right? It's a tough list he's giving here. This is a tough place they're going to be. I love this. It is done. It is done. The enemy has been defeated. Does that sound like something else somebody else said? It is done. What did he say? It is finished, right? It is finished. It's done. God is a conqueror. You've got to enjoy the victory. You've got to enjoy the victory. I'm telling you, I am still enjoying the Eagles' victory. <laughs> That's going to last a year, right? Think about that. That's just football. Some of you guys get more excited about football than that Jesus Christ has overcome the devil and sin and death. We need to get fired up about that. And I get fired up about sports, trust me. I am not that guy that's like, oh, you're just down on sports. I'm not. But man, we need to see that God is our conqueror and we are more than conquerors. We got, we got number three, but before we go there, here's what I want you to do. Are you ready? Some of you guys are going to think, oh, this is just kind of rote, routine. This is even brainwashing. It's not. I want you to think about this. I want you to say to yourself, I am more than a conqueror. You're saying, wow, he's like, sounds like a lot like Joel Steen. <laughs> Some of what he says is accurate. It's true, and it's good. I'm more than a conqueror. I want you to think about that. Close your eyes and just, re just repeat that in your mind. Don't say it out loud. Just say, I am more than a conqueror. Go ahead, say it again in your mind. I am more than a conqueror. When you know that, when you know that, your soul's going to be quenched. You're going to be enjoying yourself with God for all eternity. But you don't have to wait for eternity. You can be doing that right now, right? Number three. Number three, write it in. Living in the active presence of God. This is fantastic. Go to chapter 22. I want to look at verses 1 to 5. We're going to fly through this. 22, 1 to 5, living the active presence of God. Verse 1, chapter 22, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. This is fantastic. Bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed but the throne of God. And of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be there on their foreheads. At night will be no, I'm sorry, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Isn't that wonderful? I want to show you a picture behind me on the screen. You'll notice this river. You'll take a peek at that. Does anybody know what country this is in? You're like, God, I should have went to class that day. Geography. Well, that gives it away right there, right in the middle there, huh? That's Big Ben. So this is London, and what's the name of the river? Anybody know? Yeah, it's the Thames River. Back in the 1800s, mid-1800s, it was known as the Great Stink. All kinds of disease that was ravishing London. So the leaders of, of this great city, we've got to make some changes. And so they made it, made, started making changes. Do you know that this is the cleanest river in the world? 
Now, I'm like, really? Wow. So think about this river being the cleanest. I want you to Google, not now, I want you to Google the clearest water on planet Earth, clearest ocean or clearest body of water, a lake. I've already done that. It's unbelievable, the clarity of some of the water. Cleanest, and then you got clearest. Then you have this river here, which is way beyond that. Way beyond that. And John gets a vision of this. It's bright as crystal. It's flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It's mentioned in the Old Testament in the book of Ezekiel. I want you to see this on the screen. Ezekiel chapter 47. Do we have those verses up there? Watch this, verse 1. Then he brought me back. Now this is Ezekiel getting a tour of heaven, particularly the temple of God. If you go through the book of Ezekiel, you'll see that he's getting these visions all the time. He is seeing like John's seeing. He's seeing into the future. And then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and he behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. Then the water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Can I just stop there? A tour of the temple? Really? I mean, I had a tour of Disney once. It was great. You've been on a tour before, right? A tour of heaven? I'm a little bit envious on that one. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water. And it was just ankle deep. This is, this is the same river that we saw in Revel Revelation. Now it's ankle deep. Can you imagine just being Ezekiel in that water? This isn't like the Thames. This is supernatural. This is, this is way beyond. Verse 4, again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was what? And now it's waist deep. Let's keep going through this. And again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, swimming in the river of God? What's happening there? A river that could not be passed through, and he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river, Ezekiel 47, 1 to 6. Now, there's some places you can go around the world where you get in that body of water, and there's some healing properties to that, right? If you have a cut on your body, and if you go into the ocean, you know, that'll help you heal, right? Hopefully, you'll heal faster than Jaws gets you, right? But the reason why it's doing that is because there's a high salt content. What is going on here in the river of life? We need to understand that what he is seeing here is this eternal presence and power and provision of God. This is a place that is, that is so perfect in how it will take care of you for all of eternity. You got to know the active presence of God. I want you to know that we can get into the river of God, not in the literal sense like this, but supernaturally and spiritually. This is all like a trailer. We're looking at a trailer here. We're looking at previews in Ezekiel and Revelation. But there's coming a day. But how do we access some of this now? Do you think it's possible? Do you think we just have to wait till the future to be able to live this kind of Christian life? How do you access this? John chapter 4, don't look there. I'm going to quote it, verse 13. We looked at it last Lord's Day. The water 
I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What's that talking about? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And some of you haven't been taught the Holy Spirit very much. At Harvest Bible Chapel, we fully believe in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Spirit of God. That when the Spirit of God controls you and leads you and speaks to you, that amazing things start to happen. Some of you, the river's right been here figuratively, not literally, but figuratively, and you've pulled back, you're over here trying to do Christianity, and there's the river. You've got to get closer to the river. And then you've got to get in the river. And it might be ankle deep, and then it's going to go knee deep, and then it's going to go waist deep. The way to access this now as a Christian is by the Spirit of God. To access the Spirit of God, there needs to be some things happening in all of our lives. What would be one of those? One of those that the Holy Spirit and me are really super tight. What needs to be happening on a regular basis in my life, our life? Confession and repentance of sin, right? How many people sinned the last week? Raise your hand. At least once. Man, you guys are awful. I'm just kidding. No, we all do. We... <laughs> We do. We all do. And so what happens? You repent. I, Holy Spirit, doggone it. I am sorry. I repent. I confess this. I turn from that. All of a sudden now the Spirit's filling me again, controlling me again, anointing me again. That's how we do it for now. But I couldn't imagine like one day this river's coming from the throne of God and the Lamb of God is there. And the Bible says that there's the tree there. Where did that come from? Remember the tree? Where was it the last time you saw the tree of life? In Genesis. And that went all sideways, right? But now, some of your loved ones are there in heaven with Jesus Christ. They're, they're doing real, real fine right now. Active presence of the Lord. Revelations chapter 7, I do want you to see this. This will be the last verse we look at. So if you would turn back to chapter 7 of Revelation, and hopefully you can see. We're trying to make some light adjustments here, and it is kind of dimmed down, but I want you to see these verses. Revelations chapter 7, verses 15 to 17. Bible says, Therefore they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence, and they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them, what's it say next? To the springs of living water. There's that river. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Man, I just can't wait for that day. I just can't wait for that day. How do you quench your thirst? Number one, remember the Lord your God. Believe God for a rescue. Ask God for a drink. And enjoy God for all eternity. Enjoy him. Are you thirsty this morning? Are you thirsty? There's a mechanism that's put inside of you physically at, when you were created that causes us to want to thirst physically. There's also a mechanism that was put in you at conversion that you would thirst after God. Are you thirsty for him? We're going to bring this to a close. And there's a song that we're going to sing. Oh, come to the altar. It's going to be a, a song of God. I want to be quenched by you. I want to be satisfied by you. I've been turning to the fountains uh, that have no water. They are 
cisterns that are broken, Jeremiah says, they can't even hold water, but I've been turning to them. These are for forbidden fountains, like Erwin Lutzer said, and I quoted him in the first message, that these are forbidden, and I've been turning. This will be a song for you to go, God, no more. No more. Some of you have been here for four weeks here in this series on thirst quenchers. What are you going to do about it? So you went to Planet Fitness. Anybody go to Planet Fitness here? Retro Fitness? Anybody could care less about exercise? Raise your hand. So you went and you exercise, right? And you're sweating and you come out and you need a drink. And so if I went to you and I said, here's a drink, or if you went and got a drink yourself, that would not be enough. Why? What's missing? Trick question. You got to drink it. So I presented to you from Scripture all of these thirst quenchers. That's like me going, here's a drink. Here's a drink. The Spirit of God is saying what? Drink it. It's going to be decision time during this song. So Scott and Deb, would you come up here and get ready for this? Because this is what we're going to do. We're going to call on the name of the Lord to quench us. And some of you are going to turn from some of those things that you were doing and say, no way, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to Jesus. I'm going to God. The Holy Spirit, I want that filling. I want that you, you lead me now. Oh, come to the altar. Now, obviously, there's not room up here, and so you've maybe been in some traditional altar calls. But I do want to encourage you to pray with one another. If you're sensing that God's Spirit is wanting you to pray with another person, you might not want to come all the way up here, but maybe gather around chairs or wherever you feel comfortable. You're saying, man, that is a step of faith right there. It will be a step of faith. But if you sense by the Spirit of God that you need to pray with someone else about some of the things we looked at, talked about in four weeks, or maybe just today, this will be the song for you to do that. Get out of your chair. Go up to the person and say, hey, man, I need to pray with you. Would you pray with me? Don and I had prayer last know, a couple of weeks ago. Now he turned around and said, let's do some praying together. We would love to see more of that. It's going to take some courage. It's going to take some, some boldness. But I promise you, if you do that, if you do that, you come out of that fear or that whatever that is, that insecurity, you're going to see some things happening in your life in a fresh and new way. Amen? Let's all stand.